morning, good morning. You all okay? Sure there's no one else? (laughs) Thank you, band. Chris Tatton came over to me just as I walked out of the toilets, having got changed, and he was like, um, we've got another one. I was like, yeah, you're going in. So so if anyone's got spare clothes for Chris, then uh, he may appreciate that. (laughs) Oh, lost property. Okay. Who leaves their jeans behind? That's worrying. I'm now wanting to look at CCTV to see who turned up in this building in clothing and left without it. That's what I'm waiting to see. So for those of you that don't know me, my name's Nick and I'm one of the pastors here. And happy Easter to start off with. It's so exciting to be here celebrating baptisms. And, And when I was preparing for today, I was saying to God, like, it's Easter Sunday. If you've been around church, you've, like... All the Easter talks have been done, like it's a case of, is there anything fresh here? And I felt like God saying there's something always fresh in the Easter story, because it's so crazy. It's, and when we make the Easter story into something we put on a card with a daffodil and a cross, that's, that's a problem. Because when we make the Easter story really beige, and really just one of those things, we totally miss the audacity of what God did when he sent Jesus down to earth. The absolute audacity of it. And as I was preparing for today, I felt like God was saying he wanted to talk about the great exchange. The exchange of what we exchange with him and what we get in return when we say yes to Jesus. And what you've seen this morning is a bunch of people who are exchanging their past, their mistakes, their experiences... And in return, they're saying, all of me, God, the bits I like, the bits I don't, the bits I'm proud of, the bits I'm not, all of me for all of you forever. That's the wonderful exchange that we hear about when we see that Jesus died. Because what happened on the cross was God is desperate to be connected with us as his children. He's absolutely desperate. And then when sin came into the world, that put this divide between God and us as his kids. And then we can keep trying to do our very best to get back together with God, but it's just never going to be enough. God is just too good for our efforts to connect us with him. So what does he do? He sends Jesus, who never did anything wrong, to stand in our place, take all of our mistakes, all of our bad choices, all of our thoughts and feelings, the ones we're proud of, the ones we're not, take them into the grave and leave them there and then come back to life in a way that we can connect with God as Father forever. And it's not because we can earn it. It's not because we can be good people. It's not because we can do it through trying. It's just because he is a good dad. And it's a bit like doing a deal, and I'm going to put a picture up. I think we've got a picture. Um, Some of you may know that uh, we've been foster carers for just under three years now. And this young man came to live with us for nearly six months. He was the king of making deals. Seriously, I have never met a child who makes deals the way that this child did. You would say to him, put your shoes on, and he'd go, nope. And then you'd say, come on, we can't go out without shoes on. And he'd look you in the eye and go, still no. And then you'd say, come on, like we can go to the park or something. And he'd be like, never. And that was his phrase, no, still no, never, unless there was something in it for him. 
So at one point, we used to go on bike rides, and I used to carry a packet of magic stars in my pocket, and they were like treats. If he stopped at all the edges of the road, I would cycle up to him, and he'd get a magic star. That was the deal that we had. He would never do anything for free. The culture he came from was, if you want me to do something for you, you have to do something for me. That's how deals work. And if you want to cut a deal in our culture... So the cars that you saw up on there, we used to play cars for hours. And that was the bedroom floor very often. But the way that we played cars was we used to exchange cars to get the best cars. So we'd split the cars in half, and then we would have to exchange the cars. Now, if you wanted one of the sports cars, you had to give up at least three standard cars. (laughs) If you wanted the police van, I mean, seriously, you would have to give up a lot of cars to get that. If you wanted the best cars, you had to give up the very best of what you had. That was how the deal worked. I always came out losing. Seriously, this boy is built for sales. He is going to go far in life. Because he always had a sense of, no, if you want something good, you're going to have to give up something good to get it back. But when we talk about the cross and when we talk about what God did in sending Jesus, it is a totally back-to-front deal. It's madness. Rather than us giving our very best, God says, give me your very worst. Give me the worst stuff you've got. Give me the worst things you've ever thought. Give me your worst mistakes you've ever done. Give me the stuff you wouldn't want anyone else to know you even think. That stuff, give that to me, and in return, I will give you hope, wisdom, life, Peace, joy, abundance. I'll give you more than you could ever dream of. That's the kind of deal that God did on the cross. And it doesn't make sense in our culture. It doesn't make any sense when we say, oh, you know, if I want something good, I have to give something good. God's like, no, give me your very, very worst. And I will give you my very, very best. And when I was thinking about today, I felt like God was saying to me that there are people here who are holding on to stuff that he wants you to exchange today. If you live a life burdened by anxiety, he wants you to exchange it today for his peace. If you live a life burdened by self-sufficiency, where you are the master of your own life, which means the way you measure your worth is how much you can get done, how successful you can be. He wants you to exchange that today to have his worth, his value that says before you've even woken up in the morning, you've made my day. That's how God looks at you every day as a father who's so proud of you. He's so proud of you before you've even opened your eyes or said a word. Put down your self-sufficiency. Put it down. He's like, you're measuring all these measuring sticks of how you're doing in life. Put them down. You're already enough as you are before you've achieved anything. Your success doesn't define you. Being a son or a daughter defines you. And when I was thinking about this, I felt that God showed me a picture of how life goes. 
So here, effectively, we've got the story we've written for our own lives. This is all my story. This is my mistakes, my selfishness, my efforts at trying to be a good person. Everything I've ever done and said is all in here. This is my story. And what happens on the cross is God says, how about we take his story, God's story, everything that's in here is impossibility, stuff which is hope, peace, joy, life to the full, better life than you could ever live. That's his story. And he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your story, part one of your life, the one you've tried to write, the one you've tried to dictate, the one that you've tried to measure up with. I'm going to take that story down to the grave and I'm going to say, that's done now. That's done. And then he says this, this story, which has got everything you could ever need in, your identity, who you are is in here, I'm going to give you this instead. But what I'm going to do is give you a blank book to start again. A totally blank book, all the pages ready to start a new story, but this time the author isn't me, the author is me in Jesus. And what happens is, when the author is me in Jesus, this book becomes my reference. You know when you get a book and you get all the references at the back? This becomes my reference. So if I wake up and I look in the mirror and I feel ashamed, and I'm ready to write my story that day and I feel ashamed, God says, check your references. And when you look in the references of his story, he says, there's no shame. There's no shame. That's not who you are. And then I start to write a different story for my day. And then on my next blank page, I think, okay, I'm facing a situation where I've been given a diagnosis. I'm sick. What do I do? I feel hopeless. And God says, check your references. Check your references again. And I go to the references, and these references say, by his stripes I'm healed. These references say that we can walk into a car showroom and pray for Ollie's back and he walks out without crutches. That's what that reference says. That reference doesn't say you just need to hold on there for your MRI. Good job you've got crutches. This reference book says, oh, you get to write a story that says that Ollie gets to walk out pain-free. Now, the problem we have is that too often in life, We like to hold on to our story because it defines us. So too often, we're wrestling this back off God. And you may think I'm speaking to people who don't really know God this morning. I'm really not. Yes, to everyone. But to the people who you may have known God your whole life, he's still trying to wrestle this off you. He's like, would you give it up? Give it up. Give up your attempts Give up all your trying. Give up all of your, if only I could do this, I'd be a better person. If only I could achieve this, I'd be a better person. If only I did or didn't do this. I've known God my whole life, and I've spent most of my life feeling like I'm either too much or not enough. That is not what my reference book says. My story and my experiences say, too much, Nick, dial it down. Or, oh, if only you were more this. But the problem is when we hold on to it, or we say, okay, God, you can have my book, but I'm just going to rip a few pages out and hold on to those. 
You can take all of that, but I'm holding on to these bits. And he's like, nope, this is not how the exchange works. The exchange works. Give me the whole lot. Give me it all. And then let me give you my reference book for you to write a new story. Now, we live in a world where, particularly for young people in the world we're living in now, their reference book is all over the place. They wake up and think, I don't know who I am, and they check TikTok to find out. And that, that reference book leads to confusion, it leads to angst, it leads to pain. We are in a world where identity is under assault. God's identity for us as sons and daughters is massively under attack. Why? Because God's so desperate for us to all be picking up his reference book and checking that every day. And instead, we check our news feed. If we need to know that God's going to provide for us, let's check all the news articles about the cost of living crisis. That will tell us how we're doing. No, it won't. It won't. If you want to feel thoroughly depressed, check the news. If that's your reference point, check the news. But that's not who God says you are. God says, I will provide for you abundantly, more than you could ask or imagine. That's what his story says for your life. But we have to be prepared to put our story down first. To be our vulnerable self to be seen fully stripped bare as ourselves and then allow him to co-write the story for our lives. And it will be better than we could ask or imagine. So what I would love to do is invite you to think this morning about what exchange you want to make. I haven't really said anything I've written down, by the way. So if you want loads of Bible references like... I can email them. (laughs) Read Romans 8. There you go. The whole talk was based on Romans 8. Um, There's some really, really good stuff in Romans 8 about what what God did when he laid his life down. But I feel like there is an exchange available to us and there's an opportunity today for us to exchange some stuff. If I can have my second to last slide, that would be great. John 10.10 is the Bible verse that Chris and I came and planted this church on. We felt God spoke to us. We didn't know a single person in Ashford. Uh, I was really pregnant and we didn't have jobs here. And we felt God say, go plant a church. And um, it was a big risk. I'm not sure my mum has still forgiven me for being pregnant and leaving the county and moving away. So she couldn't get to me as much as she wanted to But we came based on God spoke to us from John 10.10, where it says, I came so that they in Ashford could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. There was a sense of abundant life. The thief comes to kill, steal, destroy, but I have come that they may have life in abundance. That's why we came to Ashford. It's why we love Ashford. But this list that you will see up behind you is the stuff that so often we still hold our identity in. 
so much. Success, self-sufficiency, pride. Maybe it's a medical diagnosis. Who are you? Oh, I have fibromyalgia. That's not who you are. That may actually be something which really fills your day and is painful and hard, but that's not who you are. Maybe it's your fear. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's perfectionism. Maybe it's offense. These are all the things that God's trying to wrestle off us. And he's saying, would you please come and throw them down at the foot of the cross and exchange it for something else? So I'm just inviting you now, just in one minute, have a look at that list. If you've got something to write with, great. If not, you can do this in your head. But just ask him. If you've never heard from God before, just ask him and see what comes to mind. What is it that he is saying for you today he wants you to exchange? Have a look at that list. What is it that he wants you to lay down today? And he said, enough now. At the end of Romans 8, it says, Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen to love to be his? God himself is the judge who's issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Not guilty. You may judge yourself very differently. The world may judge you very differently. But God says today, not guilty. That's my child. That's my son, that's my daughter. And he's asking you to lay down these things so that he can give you something better, an abundant life in return. So if I can go on to the next slide, please. These are the things that he has available in his story, in his references. As you write your new story, these are the things and more that he has available for you. He says, put down the other stuff and come pick something up. And I I pictured this morning, and I just couldn't quite get it to work in my head, but I pictured this morning people coming and literally throwing stuff down at the bottom of that cross and this cross being covered in post-it notes with all of these things written on and people coming and taking what they need. And if you look and think, I don't need any of those things, maybe he wants you to lay down your pride and self-sufficiency. Just saying. (laughs) If you think, yeah, I'm all right, thanks, then you haven't met him. Because he's got more for you than an average life, a mediocre life, a treadmill life, the life that you get up every morning and you say, here we go again, and then you congratulate yourself at the other side for getting through the day. If that's your reality, he's got some of these things for you that he wants to give you because he wants you to live a life that is better than you've dreamed of. And it's not just for the person next to you. It's for you. One of the translations of Romans 8 talks about not living a timid life, but living an adventurously expectant life. That's the kind of life he wants. So take a look at that list and decide what are you taking from the cross today? Because Jesus didn't die just for the person next to you. He did it for you. And these are the things he has available for you and he wants to give it to you. But he might have to wrestle some things off you first to create space in your hands. If your hands are full of all the things in the first list, he hasn't got any room to put stuff in your hands. He's got nowhere to, you've got nothing you can carry. 
If you put all of that stuff down, you've got empty hands to be able to come and pick up some of the stuff you need for an abundant life. So let's stand and I'm going to pray. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about God being the author and perfecter of our faith. I can think of no better author to write my story from today. I can think of no better author to co-write my story. Now, what I would love is for God to just take the pen and write it without me. But he says, I'd actually like to do it with you. God isn't in the business of control. He's in the business of free will. And free will means that together we write this story. Me with my flaws and imperfections and him with everything I need. So where you're stood, I would really encourage you, if you feel like you want to respond to that exchange, hold your hands in front of you and ask him to give you what you need. I particularly feel that there are people here wrestling with anxiety. And it's like I can see God coming and taking anxiety out of your hands and replacing it with his peace. Supernatural peace. You might look around and say, but my circumstances haven't changed in the last hour or so I've been in here. The things I've got to worry about are still there. And he's like, yeah, but the difference is now you're asking me to help. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to come as we lay things down. The stuff that hinders and gets in the way of us getting to you as dad. We lay it down. And we ask you to put into our hands the things that the cross made available to us. And we thank you that when Jesus died on the cross, it was a once and for all moment that we never, ever have to be disconnected from you again. That we never have to earn our connection with you ever again. That we never have to be good enough to connect with you. And that when Jesus left all of that stuff in the grave and came back to life, It was so that we would know our dad. And I feel like there are people here who they've had complicated relationships with their earthly dads. And there is grief and pain. When you think about being fathered, it doesn't bring up a sense of being held. It brings up a sense of being unsafe. And I feel like God wants to change your reference book today. He wants to rewrite the references in your story and say, you want to know what a father's like? Have me help you write your story and I'll show you. And just as we finish, if there is anybody here today who you've seen these baptisms, you've heard what God has available for you and you think... I think this is the kind of person I'd like to co-write my rest of my story. I feel like I want to run after a future of knowing God. And you've never said yes to him before, but you feel like today, I want to say yes to knowing God. I want to invite him into my life and say, here, let's do this together. Just while people have got their heads down, if that's you and you would like to say, I want to follow him, I want to know him from today, I would encourage you just to raise your hand. We're not going to make you do anything, but we have a gift for you. We'd love to pray for you. So if that's you just in this moment and God is inviting you to say, I want to know you, 
and I want to be known by you, and you want to respond to that, then just place your hand up so that we can, I can see it. Because we would love to be able to walk that out with you. Because following God isn't something done in isolation, it's done in family. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you say we are. Help us to stop checking social media and the news to find out who we are. But remind us whose we are and help us to keep checking your reference book every day and to live an adventurously expectant life as a result. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week and remember you're loved.